God is good. So we're in a series called Miracle Worker. We are talking about the miracles of Jesus. And uh, last week we talked about Jesus turning water into wine, his very, very first miracle. And uh, if you weren't here, you can go back and check out the podcast or on Facebook. It's there. Um, but today we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And uh, as you're turning there, I'm actually going to read a verse from the book of Acts real quick to you. Peter said, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. This is who Jesus was, that he was known as this miracle worker. He was known as this person that God had given extraordinary power to, to do signs, to do wonders. And so today I want to read a story to you from Mark chapter 1. It's the very first miracle in Mark's gospel. It's not the first miracle Jesus did, but it's the first one Mark presents to us. And it's a story where Jesus is teaching in a synagogue and something unexpected happens. So we're going to start here in Mark 1.21. It says that they went to Capernaum and right away Jesus entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because he, was, because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed, and so they began to ask each other, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Okay, so no, no teaching on the miracles of Jesus would be complete without talking about Jesus' ministry of driving out demons. And so today I want to talk to you about how Christ the King is Lord over the unseen realm. Now, this isn't something that we talk about a whole lot, even in church today. In fact, in some ways, even as Christians, we've almost been secularized in this way that we don't really think a whole lot about angels and demons and about spiritual warfare and about some of these types of things. And so today I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare. Today I want to talk to you about how Jesus drives the powers of darkness out of his world. And this is important because, you know, today this, it's not really something that is brought up a whole lot. Most of us, we don't really think about our Christian faith in these terms. And uh, I think that's because, you know, in past times, some of you were maybe part of a, a camp or a branch of Christianity that was almost too demon conscious. Do you guys know what I'm talking about a little bit? It was like every time you got a flat tire, it was like, man, the devil's out to get me. And it's like, actually, you just need to put air in your tire. You're going to be fine. And uh, sometimes the church was so demon conscious that it's almost like we've kind of swung the other way, that we just sort of think about our faith in these sort of normal secular terms where it's just like you be a good person and you don't do bad things. And, and of course, God can do miracles, but, but we don't really think about angels and demons and spiritual warfare. We don't, we don't think about these things a whole lot. And uh, I remember one time when I was in ministry school, when I was 
growing up, I graduated high school, went to a ministry school, and uh, there was a church service where we had this extended altar time, and uh, I grew up in a, a very Pentecostal church, and so my Friday nights growing up, you know, my friends were all out partying, and I was like laying on the corner at an altar somewhere, just weeping, like that's the kind of church where I grew up, and uh, that marked me from a young age. And so I'm in this, this altar time, this, you know, kind of extended time, and most of the people had kind of left by this point. The band was, like, playing quietly, and I'm praying for this guy, and he starts, like, making these, like, crazy, like, motions, okay? I don't know if any of you have seen this kind of stuff before. I was kind of freaked out a little bit, so what I decided to do was I was going to scream the word freedom as loud as I could because I had watched the movie Braveheart recently, I know, I know. I promise my theology's gotten better since then, okay? So, uh, if you don't know uh, Braveheart, William Wallace is, uh, leads this Scottish independence movement in the Middle Ages, this, this war movie, basically. And there's this part in the movie where he screams freedom, and he rallied a nation. So I thought, hey, it worked for him. So I'm going to try that here. And uh, like I said, it was kind of quiet. You know, most people were kind of leaving. It was just some, like, quiet prayer. Service was mostly over. And then you just hear me yell freedom as loud as I could. And this guy was, like, like doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it ended up being this dynamic moment in this guy's life where the Lord brought freedom to him. Now, are demons afraid of loud noises? I don't know. Probably not. But the Lord used me, even in my foolishness, in that man's life. Now, here's what I want you to know as we dive into this story. Believe it or not, even if you've never seen anything like that before, you've been engaged in spiritual warfare. In fact, I would say that if you've lived life on planet Earth for five seconds, you've engaged in spiritual warfare. The Bible teaches us that anytime you pray, that's spiritual warfare. Anytime you share the gospel with somebody, that's spiritual warfare. Anytime you resist the attack of the enemy in your life, maybe it's temptation, maybe it's anger, maybe it's pride, maybe it's fear. Anytime you push back against that, that's spiritual warfare. And what Jesus came to do, the Bible says in 1 John, it's not on the screen, that the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And so when Jesus comes and he begins his public ministry, what does he do but begin to drive the enemy out of his world? Mark chapter 3 says this, Mark 3.27, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. So what is Jesus saying here? This is like a, a mini parable. It's a little analogy here. Who, who, who are the people in this story? Okay, so Jesus is the guy, believe it or not, that's breaking and entering in this verse. And the strong man is the enemy. The strong man is the devil. And our verse here that Laura read, it said our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual forces of darkness. So Jesus describes his ministry as someone who's breaking into the enemy's territory, he's breaking into the enemy's house, but before he can plunder the enemy, he must bind the strong man, and then he can plunder his house. What's the plunder? The plunder is you and me. 
The plunder is your heart, it's your mind, it's your soul, it's your life. And so what Jesus comes to do is he comes to bind up the strong man and then plunder his house. Why? Because he loves you. And the mission of Jesus is that the enemy's house would be empty and God's house would be full. So here in this story, I want to walk through this here, verse 21 and 22, let's reread this here. So Jesus, he goes to Capernaum, he enters the synagogue on the Sabbath and begins to teach. And they were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. So what is, what is Jesus teaching? Well, we know from just a few verses earlier in Mark's gospel that Jesus' teaching was this kingdom announcement. It says in verse 14 and 15 of Mark 1, that after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that God's kingdom has come to us. The gospel's not that if you're a good person and you do everything right, you can get to God's kingdom, but actually that in Jesus Christ, God's kingdom has come to you. God's kingdom has come to us. And so Jesus' gospel is not about some other world far away. It's not simply about life after death. It's about this world right here, right now, and it's that God's kingdom has come. And the enemy is being driven out of God's world. That the enemy is like this tyrant, this usurper who's come into God's world, and Jesus comes with this message, and it says that he taught with authority. Man, we need teaching with authority. We need teaching with authority. What, what is the difference here between Jesus and the scribes? They say, well, well our scribes, they don't have authority, but, but this guy, this Jesus guy, he, he teaches with authority. What, what's the difference you see, scribes were people who instructed people in the Jewish law. They were experts in the law. And that's not a bad thing. We should, we should be people who know the Word of God, who, who study the Word of God deeply. But you see, the difference is that Jesus is not simply a scribe who's teaching people concepts. He's not teaching people philosophical ideas. Jesus is a king bringing a kingdom, and kings have authority. You see, in, in the church today, we can't just deal with concepts, with ideas, with abstract religious doctrine. We need the king of kings. We need him to show up and drive the enemy out of our lives. We need the power of God, the power of Christ, a teacher with authority, a teacher who will come and deal with the issues in our lives. You see, when you're, when you're dealing with the powers of darkness, you don't need concepts, and listen, I'm, I'm a theology nerd. If I have a night off, give me a good book and nobody else around me, and I'm the happiest guy you've ever seen. I know. I'm, I'm really fun at parties. I promise. Like, like, we need the Word of God. We need theology. We need doctrine. But when you're, when you're bound in darkness, you don't need an abstract concept. When you're bound in darkness, you need the Son of God. You need the King of Kings. You need the rescue that He brings. And so what Jesus does, he's not just this simply, this abstract religious teacher. He's a king bringing a kingdom, and kings have authority. There's been moments in my life, key moments, crucial moments in my life, 
where I didn't need a teacher. I needed a king. I needed someone with authority to come and rescue me and do what I could not do. And you see, when the king shows up, that's when the battle starts. See, the scribes, they could teach for hours, nothing would happen. But when the king shows up, things begin to change. And for too long, I suspect that many of us, we've just been sitting under teaching that has empty concepts and empty ideas, when what you really need is the king. Verse 23 says, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Okay, a couple things, couple things I want to point out to you here. So we're still in Mark 1, just a few verses earlier. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by his cousin John. And it says that a voice came from heaven. You're my beloved son, right? We sang it earlier. You're my beloved son. And it says that the Spirit came on him like a dove. So, so we have Jesus here anointed by the Holy Spirit just a few verses earlier. And what happens is you have Jesus who's anointed by the Holy Spirit. And then also in the synagogue is a man who also has a spirit, but it's an unclean spirit. And I want you to see the contrast here in the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus is a man anointed by the very Holy Spirit of God, and he's dealing with the unclean spirits that are plaguing people's lives. And you have to see this here, this, this uncleanness, it's not just like, well, you know, I made some mistakes. It's a spirit. And again, we don't, we don't think about sin in this way. We don't think about sin in terms of demonic activity or, or spiritual warfare. We don't think about sin in these categories. And today I want to help maybe re-enchant your thinking, re-spiritualize your thinking. That when you read through the Bible, it's not just like, well, hey, make good choices. Here's what it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. When you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. You see that there? According to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. One more, Romans 6, 12. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Here's what I want you to see with this. Sin is not like this list of good things and bad things, and if you do the good things and avoid the bad things, then you're holy and you avoided sin. Sin is not a mistake that you make. It's not just failure. It's a partnership with the principalities and powers. It's a partnership with the powers of darkness. It's a partnership with the enemy. Now, does this mean that there's this whole, you know, what does this mean for possession and all this stuff? Let me tell you, the word possession is not in the Bible, believe it or not doesn't exist. It's not there. What you'll find is somebody either had a demon or was demonized. And we'll talk about what this means for the Christian life. But here's what I want you to see. I'm not saying every time you mess up, you're possessed or something crazy. But I am saying that more often than you and I realize, we allow the powers of darkness to influence our lives and our decisions. Do we allow the lies of the enemy and the power of the enemy to rob us of what the king wants to do in our lives? Now, with this story, what we see 
is that as this unclean spirit, this man with the unclean spirit, confronts the Son of God, here's the cool thing in this story. The spirit immediately recognizes who Jesus is. Let me reread it to you. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Okay, so in this, it's, it's kind of interesting. The, the demon's like, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing here? What, 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 why, why are you here? Why, have you come to destroy us? And, and here's what I love about this. Sometimes demons recognize who Jesus is more than we do. They recognize the power that he has more than we do. You don't see this demon who's like, oh, I don't know who that guy is. When the king shows up, the enemy knows. When the king shows up, the enemy takes notice. He's not worried about the scribes. But when the king shows up, all of a sudden something changes. And you have to see this here. The battle is not against flesh and blood. The battle is not against whoever you think the enemy is. And I know if you watch the news, there's all kinds of people. I, some, I have to get off the internet sometimes. I start getting mad at people. I do. I start getting angry. I start looking at those people over there, and it's, it's this group of people, and it's that group of people, and, and they're the enemy, and they're the ones who are messed up. And, and, and the Bible tells us here, the battle's deeper than that, that this guy is not the enemy. It's the spirit that's behind it. And you have to see this here because if you don't know who the enemy is, you won't fight the right battle. You have to fight spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. And too often in the modern church, we want to we gloss over it with, with a clever marketing strategy and a nice building and, and let's just have good music and let's all dress nice and let's have an attractive space and let's have good events. And we're not dealing with the spiritual issues that are in people's lives. You can't deal with a spiritual problem through natural means. You can't do it. It doesn't work. But you see, when the king shows up, demons start to get nervous. When the king shows up, demons start to tremble. And there's no sense of like, well, maybe we can push back. You know what the demon says? Have you come to destroy us? There's a story in Mark 5. A guy has a whole legion of demons inside of him. A legion is thousands. And you know what they do? They beg Jesus not to torment them. Why? Because Christ the King is Lord over the unseen realm. He's Lord of this world and the unseen realm as well. And you have to see here that the unseen realm, it's not like out there in space far away somewhere. It's a different realm of our space right here. And over both the physical and the spiritual, Christ the king reigns because his kingdom has come. And so you see the enemy here, he, he, he recognizes who Jesus is. The enemy has an ability to see because he knows who Jesus is. And he sees that he's the holy one of God. And so we have this, this confrontation here between a man anointed by the Holy Spirit and a man who has an unclean spirit. And the Spirit recognizes Jesus' leadership. The Spirit recognizes Jesus' authority. So it says in verse 25, Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, and so they began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. 
The best part of this is like, it's not even a contest. You know, sometimes we have this idea in our minds that, you know, we have all the good guys lined up on one side and all the bad guys lined up on the other side, you know, and it's like, you know, whatever action movie you watch where like the hero just kind of barely survives in the end. He was down for a minute, but, you know, then he came back. That's not how this thing works when it comes to Jesus and the enemy. It's not even a contest. It's not even a competition. It's not even a battle that Jesus tells the demon what to do, and the demon does it. And so these rebel spirits, these unclean spirits, which were created by God in the beginning and rebelled against him, are now brought under the lordship of Christ, brought under the lordship of the king, that when he commands, they obey. When he tells them to leave, they leave. And even when he just shows up, they know they're in trouble. This is the power of Christ the King. This is the authority that he wields. And the good news of the gospel is that God's kingdom has come. That's the good news. That God is becoming king over his world. He's binding the strong man. He's driving the enemy out of his world. And that's really good news for people like you and me. Because I'm the plunder. And Jesus is he's plundering the enemy's house. He brings freedom. And what we see in this story is that Jesus begins this kingdom movement. And you see, what we need in the church right now, what we need right here in this moment, is we need preachers and teachers with authority. We need believers with authority. That spiritual warfare is not for the people who've been to ministry school, who have a degree in theology, who've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years. Listen, the enemy didn't ask for your permission when he started the fight. The enemy didn't ask for your permission when he began the battle. You're already in the battle, whether you recognize it or not. You're already engaged in the spiritual warfare. And the question is, how do we respond when the enemy comes? Jesus' ministry is this work of binding the strong man, of dealing with the powers of darkness, of driving the unclean spirits out of our lives. In this ministry, where all throughout his ministry, he's driving out the enemy, he's driving out demons. He's making people clean. It culminates on the cross. There's a prophecy that I want to read to you from the book of Zechariah. Chapter 12, verse 10. There's this fascinating prophecy from one of these Old Testament prophets. This is God speaking here. God says, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. And they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn son. Now, how, how weird is this? God, speaking through the prophet, says that he's going to be pierced. How's, how's God going to be pierced? How's God going to be wounded? It carries on. It says, on that day, a fountain will be opened up for the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem to wash away sin and impurity. And on that day, this is the declaration of Yahweh of armies, I will remove the names of the idols from the land and they will no longer be remembered. I will banish the prophets, that's the false prophets, and the unclean spirit from the land. 
So you have to think this verse is in Jesus' mind. This verse about God himself being pierced. God himself taking on the pain and the evil of the world. God himself taking on all of the, the powers of darkness. And it says that on that day when God is pierced, a fountain of grace is opened up. And on that day, the idols are banished from the land and the unclean spirit is banished from the land. And we see that on the cross, the cross is the great moment when Jesus binds the strong man. The cross is the great moment when Jesus deals with the powers of darkness. Colossians 2.15 says that on the cross, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in it. One more, 1 Peter 3.22. Jesus has gone into heaven. This is the ascension and is seated at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Okay, so here's, here's what this means. On the other side of the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, is installed and enthroned at his Father's right hand, and everything is under his feet. Every power, every name, every authority, all things are now under the lordship of Jesus. You see, when you confess that Jesus is Lord, you're not just announcing that he's your personal Lord. You're announcing that he reigns over creation, that he reigns over his world, that he's Lord over everything in heaven and on earth. And so because Jesus is Lord, guess who's not Lord anymore? Because Jesus is king, nobody else is king anymore. And so here's what this means for the Christian life. You and I are not trying to earn some victory against the enemy. The Christian life is about learning to walk in the victory that Jesus already won on your behalf. You don't have to beat the enemy. Jesus already did 2,000 years ago. You don't have to figure out how to do it, how to conquer, how to win, how to achieve. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, already disarmed the principalities and powers on the cross. And now the ascended Christ has angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. So, so for the Christian life, for you and I today, what, what does this mean when we're, when we're battling against sin? What does it mean when we're praying and we're trying to fight for a breakthrough? What does it mean when we're trying to resist temptation? What does it mean when we feel that anger or that pride or that greed or that fear or that despair, when that begins to creep up on us? Here's, here's what I want you to do. It's not on you to win the battle. All you have to do is look to Jesus. You don't have to win the battle. That you and I are, are like the guy in this story. You see, sometimes there's this like, you know, well, that guy must have been really messed up. And it's like, actually, we're all messed up. Actually, we've all, we've all partnered with the enemy at some point or another. And what happens is sin, again, it's not these mistakes that we make. It's a power that enslaves us. It's a power that holds us down in bondage. And now, even when we know what to do, we don't do it because we're, we're bound, we're slaves to sin. It reigns over us. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ the King has come and his kingdom has come. And he's a king who has authority to drive the enemy out of our lives. And so if you're, if you're a Christian here, two things. Number one, you're already engaged in spiritual warfare, already. You have been from the moment you were born. 
So number one, recognize it. First of all, recognize that you're in the battle. And then number two, stand on the victory of Jesus. Stand on the one who's already conquered all your enemies. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I've already given you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We're not, we're not trying to win some battle. We're simply stepping in to what Jesus already did for us. The book of James, James 4, here says this. James 4, 7, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There it is, right there. Don't have to be some spiritual guru. Don't have to have read 48 books on demons. Don't have to have been saved for 55 years. You don't have to be Jesus' third cousin. None of it. You, you humble yourself. You repent of your sin. And it says the enemy will flee from you. He'll be running from you. He'll be scared of you. He'll be taken off when he sees you. Why? Because Jesus has already done it. And I, I, don't, I don't preach this message today to, to bring fear into you. Again, if, if, you're, if you're in the kingdom of God, if you're washed by his blood, the only power the enemy has over you is power that you and I give him. Because he doesn't have any more authority. He lost it all. The only authority he has is borrowed authority from us when we freely give it to him. And so some of you need to take back your authority today. Some of you need to take the keys back today. This is who you're called to be. You're, you're a child of the king. You're washed in his blood. You're liberated by his grace. 